Good job, guys. Morning, everyone. It's good to see everyone. I love the words that we sing during praise and worship. Uh, I'm, I'm a words guy. I mean, I, I like music. I, I, I like different kinds of music, but I, uh, especially when it comes to this, uh, it, the words are what get me. And the uh, being able to sing confidently that I am a child of God and being able to sing confidently that I am who God says I am is good news. And if you're here this morning and if you were singing those words and you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't know, I, I, I think I'm a child of God. How do I know? Or, or, well, who does God say who I am? Well, this next series that I'm kicking off and today, I, I am, I'm, I'm going to do my very best, and I'm confident in the Lord's word, that you will know completely and, and completely and clearly how to be a child of God, how to know that you're a child of God, and what that means. And uh, after the service, after I close the service, and uh, we have a time to invite people near the end, invite you, for those of you to put their faith into Christ, invite you to join the church, invite you to come forward with whatever prayer request you might have, that'll be a time for everyone here, and everyone is welcome to do that. But if, if you have a busy day, hey, I'm, I, it's like the more, more days I have, the less days I have, if that makes sense. And if you need to leave early, that is more than fine. But that's just how the ending of the service will be uh, today. Um, this next series that I'm starting off on and kicking off on is called Basic. And maybe when you hear basic, you think, well, that sounds kind of boring. Or maybe the temptation in when we read God's word is, you know, we get to the stuff that we feel is basic and we want the, 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 you know, the weird, crazy, exciting stuff. And, and to me, the, the basic idea and the same idea and the constant thread that goes through scripture is the most important thing in the Christian faith. And it is very basic. And it says this follows one strand, one stream. It is a story of what God has done through Jesus Christ for you and for me. His salvation plan from the beginning. And if you read God's word through that lens, looking on every page, where is Christ? What is he doing? What is he saying? How is he pointing the church, how is he pointing me to himself? Then you'll start seeing him just pop around the corner in places that you might not have seen him before. It's, it's always been there. It's all, it's, it hasn't changed. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. And I'm, for someone like me, when life feels like this all the time, or I, I, I don't feel like I have any consistency, that same beat, Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world for sinners is a constant beat. It never changes, and it is constant, and it will never be shaken, and it will never fail, and it is forever and ever and ever. Even when we might be all over the place, it's still true. And in a world where our culture feels like it's changing or the world feels like it's changing, it seems like every generation it feels like the sky is falling. There's one thing that still hits home.
the title of this message today is What is the Bible and How Do I Read It? And I was referencing the, 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 the songs earlier. I am a child of God. I am who you say I am. It's like, and I want to clear this so that if, if, you do, if you only take one thing away from this message today, I want this to kind of set the stage a little bit. So I'm kind of, spoiler alert, jumping ahead a little bit, but I can't help it. I, I got to get out there. I am a child of God, not because, I am a child of God, not because of my commitment to never leave Jesus. I am a child of God because of Jesus' commitment to never leave me. Do I need to commit my life to Christ? Yes. Do I need to follow Jesus? Yes. Do I do it 100% correctly all the time? No. I fail. I'm all over the place. I don't look at Jesus all the time. If, if there ever is a time when I'm walking on water, I'm sinking like Peter. But who's there next to me? Jesus. And he'll never let me sink. Never. He will never fail me. He will never leave me. So just that small emphasis, emphasis that small switch in focus. When you're looking to whether or not you're a child of God, don't look to you. Look at Jesus. What does he say? What does he say you are? He says you are his beloved. Take his words to the bank, not yours. Take his words to the farm. Jesus, I am in heaven because you said I would be. Your words promised. You promised that where you were going, I will be also. You promised to take my sins as far and separate them as far as for the east is from the west. Your words, Jesus, not mine. You promised. Jesus Christ is the one name where we must be saved. Not maybe, not kind of, not if you do it right, must be saved through his name. It has to happen. For Christ's sake, it has to happen. Because if there's any kind of middle ground then the blood of Jesus wasn't good enough. And God forbid that. The most valuable, the most precious, the most perfect, the most infinite amount of worth was used to purchase you and to purchase me while we were sinners, while we had no value in of ourselves. The value that has been placed on us was described and was pointed out by Christ in very self. How much are we worth to Jesus? His very life. In this new series, it's something that kind of I, I'm not very cognizant about or I forget about, and I wanted to be sure to point some of these things out, is that sometimes I can talk in Christianese. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Uh, and you know, I am very thankful that I've, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up, I've been very thankful to have that kind of, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the word, what's the buzzword, uh, privilege uh, uh, all throughout my life is that I can honestly say I do not remember a time where I didn't know the name of Jesus. Not everyone has that. But... The good news is for everyone here in this room today, if this is the first time that you're hearing the name of Jesus, 
then you being here was no mistake. God likes to do divine strategy. So all of those things that led you to be here and today, good and bad, have worked for good. Because you will hear the name of Jesus today, and you will hear how he has saved you from your sins. Christianese. Sometimes we can talk about in different, use different words, in, in, or even in the service, we can do different things, and there may be those of us who are going, what are they talking about? What? I don't understand, but I don't, want to, I don't want to ask because I don't want people to think that I don't know what we're doing, you know? And, and there's that kind of concern or whatever, or that guilt, or that at any time, I mean, it can be, it can be us, but any time that you have that tug to, oh, don't ask, or, or don't, don't, don't ask anymore, you know, that's not a good voice. And you can tell it to go to hell and stay there. Um, the Lord is confident with your questions. I would be far more concerned with a faith that says, no questions, no questions, just, 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 just don't, don't worry about it. And I'm, I'm far more willing to lean in and listen to a faith than a God who says, no, bring them to me. I got it. It may not be the question, it may not be the answer you like, it may not be the question right now, or it may not be the answer right now for us, but God is confident in his plan and in his word. Maybe you're like me and have wondered before, am I reading this right when reading the Bible? Maybe you have read the Bible in places that sound like they contradict other passages. Or maybe you have read the Bible and have never asked these questions. Maybe you're like me and have taken passages out of context before and have applied them to scenarios of life that are not what the specific passage is referring to. Use it to justify your behavior or to condemn your neighbor. Maybe you are like me and you have used your imagination, your logic, your reason, your ways to insert what you believe is missing in Scripture, to put the pieces together. We do that to our own peril and misunderstanding of what God is actually saying in Scripture. God's Word does not change or mold to what I want it to say. It says what it has always said. There is comfort in that. First thing to understand before you even begin to read the Bible, as I mentioned it earlier, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, the words in this book are meant to point us to Jesus and are about Jesus. It's like, when I was a kid, there were certain toys. The only, the only, the only toy that can come up to my mind right now were Transformers. And, and there was a certain Transformer, there was a certain age, or a certain like, stage of Transformer where they had a special secret code or a secret message that was on the back of the box or whatever. And it, maybe some of those who are around my age remember stuff like this. Or maybe it even did like, other things like the secret decoder lens that you had to have. And it was an image that looked like red, scrambly, like white noise, but it was red, and you, you, all you could see was the red, just a weird image. And if you bought the transformer, if you bought the toy, you would get the decoder inside, which was like a little red lens that you could see through. And if you put the red lens over the image, all of a sudden a message popped up, or an image popped up, or what has always been there was finally revealed to you, and you could read, or somehow it fit along with the toy or whatever. And in similar fashion, look, reading the Bible through the correct lens is just like that. 
And the lens that I want to challenge everyone here today to, as they read the Bible, as they study God's Word, is to look through the lens of the cross. Look through the lens of Jesus Christ, His cross, His life, death, and resurrection. It changes everything for the good. I've written in my Bible the following note from my kids for when they get my Bible one day. So I want them to read this, and hopefully I've kind of told them this already before, and I have, but I want them to kind of stay with them. And I've written to my children, read this book asking this most important question of every passage you read. How in these words is Christ speaking of himself to the church? Now, when I say the church, the church is Christians. All right, I mean, there's this church, but then there's those of us who have died in Christ before, those who are alive right now in Christ, and those who will be in Christ in the future. That's the church when, I'm, when I reference the church in that particular context. When I gave Cade his little Bible, I wrote a similar note. Every page, look for Jesus. The Bible is about forgiveness and life in Jesus. John 20, 31 reads, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Some see the Bible first and foremost as a guidebook for moral living, answering the question, what should I do? Others see it as a how-to book for solving various human problems or questions. The Bible itself, however, invites us to read it as answering these vital questions. Who is Jesus Christ? What has he done? And what does he continue to do to rescue me and the whole world from sin and death? And as you begin to study and begin to read the Bible, when you begin to, uh, to read the Word, I challenge you to say a prayer. You know, to, to, to kind of get in that mold. It can be a simple prayer, or you can, there's a prayer that you can kind of follow to have that consistency. A prayer that, you know, you're praying and asking for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what is in the words. It could be something like this. There's a prayer that I've found that uses Scripture to kind of enforce each line of the prayer. It says, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Remember in 1 Samuel 3, 9, the Lord speaks to us through his word. Please show me now your ways. Exodus 33, 13, the Lord speaks to us in two basic ways, law and gospel. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Philippians 3, 8 through 9, scripture teaches us about Christ and his righteousness. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Psalm 119, 105, 107. Scripture faithfully guides our lives. And I will declare your greatness. Amen. Psalms 145, verse 6. Scripture leads us to declare the Lord's ways to others. For thousands of years, people have gone to the Bible for wisdom, comfort, and hope. The Bible has changed many lives. It is still the number one bestseller. And when you think about it, it's amazing how this Bible came together. 
Christians read the Bible or hear it read in church because they believe that through Holy Scripture, God answers essential questions about life, death, and eternal life. They believe that God works through the message of the Scripture to call them to repentance and take away their sins. However, those who read and study the Bible may also feel challenged and at times confused by what the Bible says. Reading the Bible can sometimes seem daunting. Oh, I didn't read my Bible. Oh, I need to read my Bible. So I, it, have you ever noticed that the, the moment you decide that you're going to read your Bible, something happens, and you, and you get distracted, and you have to go do something else? It, it, it's, it's frustrating when it... When it, when it and I, to me, I, I believe that's spiritual warfare. It, it's, it, it, especially when it's good things that you should be doing that distract you. Um, it's... God's not mad at you if you don't. Is that a revelation to anyone? Okay, because for me, I sometimes, when I forget or I promise that I'm going to read and I don't, I feel like I've betrayed him or I've, or I've disappointed him. And that's never the case. Never. See, that's a lie too. Because any disappointment, any disappointment that I have earned for my sin, any disappointment that I've had for my disobedience has all been consumed by Christ on his cross. All of it, 100% done. See, you need to be leaving church feeling like it's too good to be true because that's how it feels, all right? That's how it feels. The gospel is too good to be true. It is that good, but the fun thing is it's true. He has consumed all of your sins. They're all gone. Not one rogue sin creeped out and found its way out. He consumed it all on the cross. He saved you completely and totally and final. His death was sufficient to save a sinner like me. And if he could save a sinner like me, he can save a sinner like you. And he didn't do it begrudgingly. He loved to do it. He wanted to do it. And it pleases him to pour out his grace on me and on you. He's a different kind of father. He's a different kind of friend. He's a different kind of God. Where we disappoint each other. You know, some of y'all might have to go in timeout. You know, if, if my children disappoint me, you know, they might have to go to timeout. Christ was put in timeout for me and for you. It's over. Oh, that's dangerous. Oh, that's dangerous. Don't tell a sinner that all of his sins are forgiven because he might go sin some more like he needed that permission in the first place. <laughs> he was sinning just fine without hearing that he's totally been forgiven of all of his sins. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Show me someone who's free knowing that all the charges have been dropped. And show me someone who's panically every day just trying to make God love them. I know he loved you. He died for you when you didn't want him. That's love. While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Not while I got it all figured out. While I didn't even want him. The emphasis, just change it and put it on his work for you instead of your work for him. And the gospel just explodes.
It's power. There is power in the name of Jesus, and there is power in the gospel. Wow. I mean, I'm kind of going off script here, but just look at the other day. Many of y'all have seen that video that's been passed around, and I'm not getting into the, 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 the justice and all that. I mean, if you do something bad, there are consequences in this world for you doing something bad. That's a different kind of kingdom. And that's been put in place to correct and to curb sin. Doesn't stop people from being a sinner. You know, you're not doing something bad because you don't want to go to jail. That doesn't mean you're righteous. That just means you don't want to go to jail. So let's make sure we're tracking that. So there's that kingdom. And then there's another kingdom. His kingdom. Where forgiveness is 100% all the way. When forgiveness of sins, of, of mercy all the way. But that video the other day that I'm talking about of where, and I don't know the details, so forgive me, so I've just seen bits and pieces of it. And it's starting to happen more and more where the brother of, uh, of someone who was killed in a shooting looks at the person who shot and killed his brother on stage and offered forgiveness. And it sent shockwaves. How is this possible? How can this happen? Oh, they're so mad over forgiveness. But then there's some that go, okay, this is different. This is different. This looks like something. Where have I seen this before? Where have I seen this before? Because there's there seems to be a story here. Forgiving someone who doesn't deserve it. Offering mercy to someone who doesn't deserve it at all. In God's courtroom, I, in my sin, outside of Christ, stand justly condemned. That one rogue sin, commandment number one, love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind and strength, and fail. I don't even do that fully 100% perfect in, 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 in a day, in 30 minutes. My mind is over all over the place. I'm already condemned. Commandment one. I, I can't even get to commandment number two. I'm already toast. Justly condemned before a three-time holy God. Guilty. If it's up to me, I have no hope. But then enters the room a lamb who looks like he has been slain. And he says, no, see, his sentence has already been carried out on me. Therefore, there's no sentence left. He has been forgiven of all of his sins. As a matter of fact, the judge will rule that the righteousness of the lamb be counted as if mine. And the sin of mine will be counted as if the lamb's. Is justice carried out? Absolutely. Look at the cross. Justice was poured out on Jesus for all of us. He who knew no sin became 
sin. Think about that. Not only did Jesus never sin, he, as it, all of our sin was imputed to his account. That means it was charged to his account. That means Jesus Christ was made to be sin. Someone the other day asked, who's the greatest sinner in heaven? It's like, oh, well, you know, they're there. You know, it's this piece and this piece. You know, you know who, had, who has the most sin in heaven? Who said it? Who said it? Jesus. Because he has it all. It was all poured into his body on the cross. He consumed it all. So where did justice happen? On the cross. Where did mercy, forgiveness, life, salvation for the sinner happen? It happened on the cross. The great exchange. See, looking through that lens, you remember that story of when Joseph's dad crossed his hands over the, his brothers to bless them. Joseph's like, no, 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 that's the wrong brother. And, and he said, no, no, I know what I'm doing. See, it's a simple story. We think, okay, we'll just walk right through it. God did that to us on the cross. The right blessing got put on the wrong child. And the right curse got put on the wrong child. Wrong child. All through scripture, it screams Jesus and what he's done for me and you. It's on purpose. This is going to be a several-part series. I'm going to throw this one more example in before I close it out. Exodus chapter 24. This is cool. This is all right. This, this, this is neat. <clears throat> Exodus 24. Then he, this is God, said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. <laughs> Sorry, that was funny to me. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw it against the altar. Then he took the blood of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people. And said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. In this passage, it illustrates important truths about the Bible as well as challenges in understanding it and applying it. After the Lord rescues the Israelites from Egypt, he spoke certain laws and promises to the prophet Moses. Moses wrote God's word, the first person named is doing so. Pretty neat. He wrote and read it to the people in Exodus 24, verse 4 through 8. 
This was the first known example of Bible reading introduces many of the truths and challenges, like throwing blood, what? You will meet when you read the Bible. That was the first recorded time of when God's word was written to, was spoken to a people, was that passage. The goal in this series is to show how to study such truths in challenging texts, to show how all of Holy Scripture, including Exodus 24, continually points to the most important truth, the Lord grants you forgiveness, life and salvation through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. For Jesus taught, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Jesus said he is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He also said the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in his name. He will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's Jesus speaking in John. The Holy Spirit is such a gift. He, pointing us to Christ, Holy Spirit makes much of Jesus. He's going to say, hey, look at Jesus. The Father says, have you considered my son? It all goes back to him. And as we go through this series, I pray that the Lord will use it to, to give us the comfort that maybe some of us know that we need, maybe comfort to some of us who didn't know we need it but are given it. And I hope that, that we leave here today not reading the Bible like this. Context, context. If I'm, if I'm hearing listening on a telephone conversation and I'm just hearing one end of the conversation, I'm not going to know all what's going on. I'm not going to know what's been talked about. And we'll dive in and we'll teach and preach about that later on as well. But the good news, because sometimes you can stress out. I know I've stressed out before. Am I reading it right? Am I reading it right? Am I reading it right? And I had a friend of mine said, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Have confidence in his word. Have confidence in the Holy Spirit. It's his job to convict. And it's his job to explode faith in the soul of a dead person. And as the team comes forward, I want to make sure that I make this very clear. I heard a Christian apologist, you may have heard him before, Ravi, Ravi Zacharias. He once said, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people live. See, that's, that's, that's a big change in emphasis as well. The gospel is for Christians too. On those, day, on those days, if you're like me, when you feel like you're not really living like a Christian, not really talking like a Christian, you're not really interacting like a Christian, have you ever had someone go, oh, you go to church? Immediately you feel like Judas. 
You're like, well, I'm doing it all wrong. That moment that you feel slayed by the law, oh, you need to hear the gospel. You need to hear the gospel. The law's job is to drive someone to the foot of Jesus in a position of have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Guess how many times anyone who has come to Jesus and asked for mercy, guess how many times Jesus said, not today. Zero. 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 No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think you are, you're far worse. Jesus still died for you. You are still forgiven of all of your sins. And placing your faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus says, you are his. You are a child of God. Today, right now, I invite you to come forward. Whether it be for prayer, or whether it be this morning for the first time you're, it's hitting you, okay, I, I, I believe. I'm hearing this. I'm hearing this, that, that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And for the first time, I'm not saying, no, he didn't. I'm saying, yeah, I believe that. Come forward. We want to pray with you. That's, that's exciting stuff for folks who know what that means. It's exciting to hear and to read about when faith explodes into the dead soul. The Bible says that's what the gospel does. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. It's like what it rides in on. And it's simple. It may not feel simple, but it is. It looks like this. Lord, will you remember me when you enter your kingdom? That's what the thief on the cross asked Jesus. And what were the words of Jesus? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Take those words to the bank. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, how are you getting in here? Jesus said I would be here. Well, come right on in. <laughs> Bet everything on him. You come forward this morning.